Hey everyone, I'm opening this show a little different than the others because today's episode is actually our one-year anniversary. Uh, my name is Aaron Thielker, I'm the editor and one of the producers of Entangled Things. This past year with the show has been awesome, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here, but I wanted to make sure to give a special thanks to our wonderful production and marketing team, Jill and Kylie, of course our hosts Patrick and Cyprian, all of the incredible guests we've had the pleasure of speaking with so far, and most importantly, you, our listeners, for taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review and tell a friend about us. Thanks again. Now back to the show. In episode 27, Patrick and Cyprian take a retrospective look at this past year of Entangled Things. The team discuss the origins of the show, some of the major announcements of last year, and postulate this next year will take us. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Morning, Cyprian. How are you doing? Good morning, Patrick. I'm doing very well, especially given that today we do have a very special episode of Entangled Things. Uh, yeah, it's one that uh, I looked forward to from when we started. What What's so special about this one? Well, it is special because this is the one-year anniversary episode of Entangled Things. And I remember back in the days when we were uh, having the original idea, when we were planning this, uh, there weren't too many people um, overly optimistic and enthusiastic about us uh, reaching this this milestone. Yet, one year later, after our first published episode, here we are. In, in fairness, we were among the doubters. Because this is... <laughs> so I'm really glad we took this on. Now, it would be remiss of us to not mention the, the, the background staff that keeps us going and makes this so much easier to do. Uh, we just recorded a session um, yesterday that'll come out after this episode uh, where we had a guest pay us the highest compliment and say how easy we and our staff made um, the interviews and, and their participation. So we've got, you know, Aaron, Jill, Kylie, and and our whole staff of both of our organizations behind the scenes helping us do this. You and I just show up and talk, which is fun. Um, I, I, I would dare to say, Patrick, that um, should uh, uh, we not have this amazing team that you you mentioned? We wouldn't have made we it. Most probably would have not reached this. No. This 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 milestone. It makes it so easy, as you mentioned, for both of us, but also for our for our guests to uh, to show up and uh, then have a nice conversation. Magically, everything happens, and episodes end up. Uh, being being published, and I can only second what you said. Uh, a big thank you to to this amazing team that 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 supports us. Most of the success of of this this podcast, I think, can be safely attributed to to our team. I think we we've also made some good decisions by going with a two week cadence instead of a weekly cadence. I think we took on something we could actually handle. And I've been, we've been surprised, I've been surprised that, uh, pleasantly surprised that a lot of our guests have been, after we've done recording, 
uh, commenting about the fact that they were surprised that we knew so much to ask the questions we asked. Uh, I, I do admit that I, I do strive to keep up with them. So many of them are such distinguished guests. We've had people, um, scientists, lecturers, um, people who, who are laying the foundations of this technology. And uh, we've even had big companies like IBM and D-Wave look at forming partnerships with us to make announcements. I mean, the big big one I, that stands out is the, the government of Finland chose us to announce. And we're hoping for more of those special shows that we put out. Uh, so if you see three shows in a row, you can bet that one of them is a big announcement by some important player in the space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, um, besides our amazing team, uh, the other big thank you has to go to to all our to all our guests. Um, and uh, as you said, um, we've we've had amazing people from from people driving fundamental research for people driving uh, learning and readiness from people driving startups in yeah. in the in in the field I, I think we've we've had a lot of different flavors of of people who are literally moving things in the world of of quantum computing in the coming year we have a few other kinds of guests that we're going to mix in there's a couple of people that are already lined up that we'll talk about funding uh quantum startups. So I think we we kind of hit the sweet spot just before the funding, uh, where a lot of the people we're talking to now about coming on the show are doing startups. And yeah. so it may be that uh, some of our listeners are are motivated by what they hear here, I hope, to take the plunge and try to make form this future and, and change the world. Who knows, maybe some of the unicorn billion dollar startups might get their inspiration here. Um, I know I'm itching to do something in the space, but but we're not. We won't talk about that yet. Um, so, what were the big things that changed in this last year that you want to highlight? Anything? Any, I mean, I, I I would point to the IBM release of the 127 qubit processor, uh, just because that was the one that makes a lot of news, and it seems like a standard. Uh, and also the accomplishments of D-Way. But but what else has happened since we started this little uh, project? Well, from my point of view, I think the, the the most remarkable thing that happened since we we started is if I compare uh, the year, uh, the first year of our podcast with, let's say, the previous year, um, I see the pace of things uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, increasing significantly in the world of of, of quantum and. Um, these types of, of announcements that you, you mentioned about IBM, or even the one that we had in uh, uh, in our show uh, with stuff happening in in, in Finland, uh, with stuff happening with with, with Dive, I have this sense that uh, things are picking up pace in the in the world of quantum, and I am also very encouraged by some of our guests who. Uh, work in the field of of startups, we see some very novel ideas, very novel mm. approaches uh, starting to be heavily funded, starting to produce uh, results. So, if you ask me, I would say the most important thing is, that that I observed through this year is that quantum computing still has a lot of momentum. 
I would even say it's it's it uh, shows an increase in the momentum, which makes me very very happy. Yes, I, I've also noticed um, for my part, especially in the security community, people who have to be security conscious, whether they're in cyber or just defenders of networks or or whatever, and and business people as well, it's starting to come into their their consciousness. It's starting to come to their attention. And one of the big drivers that I'd like to talk about there is the the fundamental question that I think I was the first question I posed to you when we 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 grabbed some time in a cafe at a conference somewhere, probably in Seattle or San Francisco or somewhere in the U.S. West Coast, I believe. And and I said, okay, this quantum thing. You and I seem to be the only ones around talking about it. When can RSA twenty forty eight be broken? And we were, it was too early. No one knew, it, you know, we were talking about, I think, I don't know that there were actual quantum computers in existence at the time. And that question still holds the biggest fascination for me because it's going to, it's the thing that all the governments are worried about. It's the thing that all the militaries are thinking about. In fact, I was at one of the major U.S. commands, uh, actually virtually, the other day, just this week. Uh, briefing them on post-quantum cryptography and how uh, the best estimates for when that will happen. And those numbers have come in dramatically. It used to be um, that we would think that it was decades away. And there's still some people saying that we're decades away from being able to break real encryption in real use by real powers. Um, I think those numbers have come down. I think that that timeline is getting shorter. And NIST the National Institute of Science and Technology or Standards and Technology in the United States is actually working on their guidance for what post-quantum cryptography is quantum resistant so that therefore people can start getting ahead of this. That's really been a big driver for people who are not in the science space, who aren't aren't scientists, who aren't um, academics. And I think that's where a lot of the money is going to start pouring in from the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree agree with that. The other interesting thing that I observed um, through this year is uh, quite a significant level of interest in uh, the topics around introduction to quantum computing. Um, it's this this past year. It's been the first year when, for example. I delivered a full workshop, uh, a one-day workshop at one of the conferences that I attended, uh, introducing folks to to quantum computing. Uh, some of the sessions that uh, I did and some that we did together even in some online conferences uh, raised a lot of interest among, among attendees. Uh, it seems to me that... Um, we're on a path of quantum computing uh, moving out from that, let's say, um, niche zone where it's perceived that something that at some point might happen or it's something very kind of uh, uh, out of reach for um, uh, most people. It's moving into uh, into mainstream with respect to interest we've seen. Uh, as you mentioned, people from the cybersecurity space, we've seen just developers starting to be interested on what does it mean actually, practically, 
to program quantum computers. We've seen researchers starting to, to, to think. And one of the interesting things that I've noticed um, in discussing with, with our guests, uh, I've seen a very balanced mix of folks who literally started their career in quantum computing. These are people who are driving some of the startups and things like that. But we've seen like uh, a lot of, let's say, heavyweights in the space of quantum who are actually coming from classical uh, computing. So um, it makes me very happy to see that the overall interest, regardless of whether you are a fundamental researcher, you are a developer, you are a cybersecurity specialist, uh, uh, or you are just interested in, in, in computer science in general, uh, that interest is is steadily increasing. And I would dare to predict that for the next year of our podcast, we will see an even steeper increase in, in, in this interest. To, to, to add on to that point in a couple of ways. First off, Peter Short is not a quantum computing expert. He's a mathematician. There's plenty of people outside of the quantum you know, silo of, of knowledge that are they're adding to the space, and I think that's just going to accelerate. Um, I'd like you to think about your you, you you've been in AI and machine learning for longer. You were country before country was cool, or you were you were machine learning before machine learning was cool. There was that curve where there was just academics in AI and machine learning, and then it became wow, there's a bit of a knee in the curve, and everybody started to pay attention to it. And now I think everyone's been touched by it, and everyone's aware of where it might play and and it's it's reached maturity, and we're in the early days of that for quantum. Uh, it, yeah, and, it, and, it, and that that reminds me actually, um, since we're uh, at this anniversary point, reminds me of uh, uh, that great discussion that we had with our very first guest, our yeah. <laughs> uh, good friend Richard Campbell, uh, where um, we were essentially diving into the parallels of the evolution of classical computing with, with quantum computing. And this is just one of those areas, the ones that you, you mentioned, like that, that uh, explosion in interest and involvement when it comes to machine learning and classical computing. Mm. I think uh, uh, something very similar is, is uh, about to happen with, 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 quantum, with quantum computing. That was, uh, interestingly enough, looking backwards, uh, that was kind of like a foundational episode because mm-hmm. it kind of laid down those parallels between classical computing yeah. and, and quantum computing. And, shaped the rest of the year. Uh, yes. And if I look back, uh, nothing that we have discussed or nothing that happened. Uh, Invalidated any of it. Exactly. All, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, almost, like uh, almost a year after that, that first guest episode. I would dare to say that everything we discussed there still holds water, yeah. um, which which is in itself is is remarkable from my point of view. So speaking of which, so um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this coming April, you and I will be in the same place um, for the first time since we started the podcast, because because you are, you are based in Europe and I'm based in the U.S., but we're both going to be speaking at Dev Intersections in Las Vegas. Um, in, in early April and Richard helps run that conference. He'll be there. Maybe we can twist his arm and get another interview with him recorded live in front of an audience or, or at the show. 
Um, Richard also gave us some very key advice, which is that we should think about re-recording at some point the first episodes, those introduction episodes where it's just you and I explaining concepts. I think we'd be better at it now. I think we'd do. I think it'd be tighter now. And so I would like to uh, think about maybe doing that as an interest first. The hard part is we have such a packed schedule and so many guests that want to be on the show. I think we might have to put those out as interstitial episodes in between the uh, the regular two week publishing. So maybe um, maybe our 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 listeners can weigh in on whether that's of interest to them. But let's see if we can twist Richard's arm and get him to do another interview while we're all together. Yeah, and if I may be. Uh... Hopefully not too candid, but uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember at the uh, in the early stages we were thinking about uh, how to make sure that we will have guests, how to make sure <laughs> that uh, we we will get a steady stream of of, of guests. Right? Uh, I think none of us uh, uh, kind of went that far into thinking that we will reach this situation where we have. Uh, recordings uh, that are scheduled in advance, sometimes month. even uh, a month or or, yeah. or even even more than that. Well, and yeah, I I hundred percent agree with what you say related to the to the first uh, to the first episodes. I think that uh, at least <clears throat> from my point of view, but I think you will agree with that as well. Um, in addition to let's say our natural. Um, curve of accumulating knowledge in the space of quantum computing, I do believe we have learned uh, a, a tremendous amount from our guests. Um, at least for me, every single conversation that we we had, regardless of whether it was in the space of building the hardware, doing fundamental research, doing error, error correction, correction. Yeah. building new uh, businesses, uh, working Different modalities in, very, between... Yeah, yeah. Every single discussion meant uh, new things that were revealed to us. We learned about new approaches. We learned about new, 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 new ideas. So, I, on a on a personal level, I, I feel like like so much fulfillment. Uh, I have I have gained uh, a lot, and and maybe it's it's also important to mention. Uh, we we did it a few times, but I think it's important to mention, right? What we do here is is literally a pro bono thing, right? This is not a a it's business a, for yeah, it's not a business for either of us. We're not making money out of out of this. We do it out of sheer pleasure, but also being convinced that that we need to participate in educating uh, um, the world on what quantum promises, what quantum can do, what quantum will do, and and how are we going to reach the state where quantum computers are an actual, practical, commercial, economical thing. Yeah. So I, I again a big thank you to to all our guests because um, they shared a lot with our audiences, and in the same time, I think they taught both of us a lot of things. Oh yeah, and we asked, I, we got to ask questions. It's it's been fun. It's been so much fun. And and most of the time, it's like I can't believe how fast the time goes. Um, and you know, we do some research about these people. Many times we've heard of them before. Uh, some of our some of our guests are you know have labs named after them, and you know are 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 titans in the industry. Um, and it's great to be able to talk to them and to get to know them. I, I look forward to going to some of the the future conferences. 
when we go back to conferences again and meeting them all again in person, you know, having a, uh, the opportunity to maybe set up panels and other things to talk about stuff. I think, I think there's going to be a lot more quantum in our future. And, um, and I think anybody who's listening to this under should understand that the opportunities to, uh, be, uh, a pundit in this space to, to be among the first to bring the ideas back to your, your offices and your groups. Um, it's, there's still, still very early days. There's just still aren't that many people who've taken the, the time to try to understand where this stands. And it also turns a lot of travelers away. The, the, the way that this is taught typically will very often scare people away because they think they have to be a math professor or a science professor. And, and while that helps with some aspects of it, you can still make a lot of sense of this with very little of the physics, with very little of the math. Um, I've, I've definitely taken the math and science route to make sure I really understand it, to communicate it. Uh, but I've, it, by in doing so, I found that there's a lot of shortcuts of just understanding key takeaway concepts. Um, I think you can get enough uh, from superposition and entanglement and an interference and things like that that you could you could very well spend a 40 hour course on each of those topics um but you i think you can get the the summary and then just accept that that's true and if you want to verify that it's true then you have to do the 40 hours of study to do the math and figure it all out it's all provable uh it's just not intuitive but if you can find a good source and listen to it and, and understand okay well this is what they're saying it does this is why it matters i think you can just move beyond that stuff um, one of the things that we've, we haven't done much is dive into the programming. And I thought we would dive into that a lot more because there's still so much to talk about, about where the directions are going. I thought we would talk a lot more about Q sharp and, and chasm, but we've only had a couple of shows where we've dove into cubos and, and we really didn't even talk about programming problems yet. Um, do you think that that's going to happen this year? Or do you think it's still too early days? for that to be the topic of a podcast. I, I think it's going to, uh, uh, to gradually increase. And I think it follows the, the natural curve of the um, increasing layers of abstraction that are built in, in, quantum, in quantum computing, right? If we go back to, to the parallels with, with classical computing, we're still in the very early stages that would be translated in programming against the wall, right? In, in, in classical computing, where we're still thinking in terms of uh, gates and, and uh, uh, circuits and, and, and things like that. We, we do see in uh, initiatives like the ones that you, you, you mentioned, we do see uh, large players uh, in the field who have uh, uh, a very successful record of building ecosystems being involved in in this in this process right one of the examples is is, is Microsoft uh, which builds their quantum ecosystem all the way from hardware uh, services providers all the way up to uh, programming languages and libraries and and higher order abstractions on on top of that I mean it, it they seem to be the most consequential player in the space that doesn't have their own quantum line of computers yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are building they're they're building an end-to-end ecosystem. Hmm. Um, and I believe 
these will end up prevailing. We, I, I think we have discussed multiple times that uh, we don't see a, a future, at least not a, uh, a close enough future where we will run quantum computers in our own uh, basements or in our own offices, right? Most of these services will be provided in a cloud, uh, cloud uh, uh, approach where you will have providers aggregating uh, the layer starting from the hardware layer all the way to the uh, to the top uh, abstracted layers of algorithms and solutions and APIs and and things like that. And I believe these these things will prevail in the uh, in, in in the end. So yes, I think we will start to to talk more and more about about the programming, uh, especially given that uh, we start to see more and more abstraction built. Uh, uh, on 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 top of this, but again, you you can't avoid the let's say uh, how interesting and fascinating are the discussions around what happens uh, at the lower layers as well, right? Um, yeah. How to build the the, 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 the computers, uh, how to fight with some of the phenomena that uh, is specific to the quantum world, how to correct errors and and, well, and and so and so forth and how fast it's moving so so back to what you said before about how fast it's moving uh let me give an example so in 2015 there was a paper that came out that tried to address the question that i asked that my 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 burning question rsa 2048 when when will it fall and the paper in 2015 said that it would take 20 no no it said a billion one billion physical qubits to solve it in in a normal in a regular amount of time a day two days they, I don't know that the paper said how long but but within a, you know a short period of time comparatively now for reference classical computing is pretty much assumed to take trillions of years to break a 2048 RSA um, so that you know if you look at that back in 2015 that was so far away because I think at that time I don't know whether there was even a five qubit processor that was reliable and it was because of error rates and it is just because of the noise and the in the refrigeration requirements but in 2019 a paper revised that number down to 20 million which is an enormous reduction i mean if you think about it it's it's well more than 10 times it's it's almost a hundred times lower um and that's because we started to get quantum computers and the error rates have gone down. And I haven't seen a similar paper, but I got to expect that in 2022, we may see that down to 1 million because of error correction. Now that's, we're still a lot far away from 1 million. If we look at IBM as a benchmark, they've released a chip this year or last year, actually it was in 2021 that had a 127 qubits. And they're, they've already announced and plan, they plan to release a 1,000 plus qubit chip by the end of 2023, which is a tenfold increase in the space of two years. That's faster than Moore's Law. That's five times faster than Moore's Law. And so with this accelerating curve of more qubits, because, and with error correction, bringing down the number of physical qubits needed to get to logical qubits. We've talked about this concept before that physical qubits don't behave ideally. And so you need a lot of them to simulate a, a logical qubit that can actually carry out operations and be reliable. 
as those error rates come down, we very well could see, and where's the intersection? Where will we have chips in existence with enough qubits and ha- that have a few enough errors so that we can actually do it with the number of qubits available? And maybe it's when IBM comes out with a 10,000 or a 100,000 or a million qubit chip, still, still years away. But I don't think it's decades away anymore. I think we're talking about years. And that is going to do nothing more than accelerate. As people come to that same conclusion I have, instead of thinking they have 20 years, they're going to start thinking they have five, 10 years. And that's a big difference because now, oh, well, maybe we need quantum key distribution, which means quantum solutions are the solution to the quantum problem of it breaking encryption. And I'm wondering whether other industries will have these other virtuous cycles where the things that are possible come closer and closer and nearer and nearer, and that just increases the swell. It's different than than any other boom I've seen in technology. Uh, big data, AI, um, pretty much every boom in, in, in classical computing has been pretty big, but it was predictable. Yeah, it, even if it increased by tenfold a year, um, this could this could explode in ways that we even our wildest imagination might not capture. Um, it's not only that, but um, I, I think we're still in the very early stages of understanding what what is the art of possible uh, when you have a large number of, of stable qubits available, right? We uh, have some theories, we have some algorithms today, we have some ideas on what could we do with 100 qubits, 1,000 qubits, a million qubits, 10 million qubits. But I almost would dare to say I'm, I'm, I'm certain that once we do have those capabilities, some completely new angles will, will, will be revealed to us. And we The will- wildest thing I've heard that someone claims to be able to do with quantum computing, even today, and actually back going back a few years, is that the Chinese military, through one of their defense contractors, said that they could track U.S. stealth fighters and bombers with radars with enhanced with quantum computing. Now, I don't understand how that one works exactly. I've got to dig into it. But that's the weirdest thing I've heard. And there's a lot of weird things in quantum computing that it can do. That's the weirdest thing I've seen it applied to. And I can't, I got to imagine that there's going to be hundreds of things like that that we haven't thought of that come up over the next 10 years, maybe thousands. Yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> the sky exactly. is really the, literally the limit. Is, what's the weirdest thing you've heard? I, uh, well, there are lots of, lots of things, right? Um, and I wouldn't even qualify them, honestly. I wouldn't even qualify them as, 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 as weird, right? Um, I would say the ones uh, spectacular, right? Uh, I, the ones that I expect the most are uh, in the, 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 the realm of, of material science, whether it's for um, chemistry, whether it's for health, whether it's for agriculture, whether it's for space exploration, right? I, that, that's, that's the one where, where I, I, I really um, expect the capability of understanding the behavior of very complex molecules. Um, which in turn would allow us to synthesize new materials uh, that we can't even dream about. 
well, right, right, right now is, is I, the one that I'm really looking for. We've discussed this before, and I've, I'll say it again. I believe that if you look at any of our sci-fi worlds, most of them, 90% of the difference between our technological level and any technological level of almost any sci-fi world we've imagined is material science. Yes. It's, it's not that you know people have bigger brains or they think faster. It's that we have materials that do things that are what, you know, what do they say? Any sufficiently advanced technology appears to be magic, magical materials. And um, we've talked about this before. There's about a hundred million known stable particles today, about 110 million, maybe a hundred million. Um, and I know you've delved into those databases a little bit before. You might even have a more accurate number, but that's an order of magnitude small compared to the suspicion that there's one followed by 60 zeros, potential stable molecules, which would mean that for every Teflon, Kevlar, Lycra, Rayon, there's likely a billion other stable molecules that do at least as good, if not a better job of what they do. And they just have to be discovered. They have to be, and, and if, if, I think one of the analogies we worked out was Simulation and chemistry today with classical computers is like stick figure drawings being used to find suspects in New York City. It's not going to work very well. Whereas with quantum, uh, one of the first things that you ta- talked to me about was how it would impact simulation modeling of you know of of, of, of uh, molecules. And if we can get real high fidelity simulations, that coupled with AI, your favorite you know, neck of the woods, the sky's the limits. We could, we could see humanity evolve so much faster to solve problems like climate change and energy shortages and even water purification and other things that we haven't even thought of all through material science. So I'm hoping that that's really where a lot of the effort goes to, even though me and my ilk have mostly focused it on the security ramifications. I think that's helping create a virtuous cycle of investment at least. Oh, absolutely, and uh, uh, there are many, many areas where where uh, quantum computing, I think, will 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 provide a significant um, a significant improvement. I distinctly remember um, a few years ago when I was having discussions uh, around quantum computing, there was still a distinct and quite big if involved in those discussions. You you would hear a lot of times folks saying uh, not only when quantum computing becomes a thing, but you would also hear if quantum computing becomes a thing. And uh, what's remarkable, especially in this past year, is that we are starting to not hear anymore the if part, right? It, it, it seems that we are starting to to move towards a consensus that uh, quantum computing as a fundamentally new paradigm of doing computing um, is is almost certain to bear to bear fruit. Will that happen in five years or ten years or fifteen years? Uh, that's an open that's an open discussion. Well, but, it's but- already solving real world <laughs> business problems that are adding value. Uh, the Kubo yes. um, development paradigm that's being used for D Wave is a perfect example. I got that question on Wednesday when I talked about quantum to a group 
uh, of, uh, of military people, is this being used? Is this actually producing results? And the answer is yes, it's already producing results. Yeah. 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 And then the other remarkable effect that quantum computing has on classical computing is uh, a distinct class of solutions that we <clears throat> sort of commonly refer to as quantum inspired solutions, where mm. some of the ideas and approaches from quantum are actually translated into classical and they provide improvements, uh, sometimes significant ones. E- even when run on simulators. Yes, yes, exactly. Which is amazing, which means exactly. re envisioning the problem and casting it as a quantum solution that then runs on a simulated quantum computer is about, I think one qubit is the company that I heard about that do, did this first. 8% is what they predict is the, is the gain before they even touch a quantum computer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, that in itself, I believe is, I believe is, is, is remarkable. It shows we're on the right track. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. you know, the theory that we all live in a simulation, maybe we all live in a gigantic quantum computer that someone else is using and uh, and we're just we just kind of sprung up in it by accident well it's uh, there are multiple uh, let's say facets of that of that of that theory right and uh, the more you dive into that this is actually one of my favorite topics right the more you the more you dive into it is is the, the more mind bending it, it it becomes right yeah. one of the facets is that uh, there is uh, reality in itself actually does not exist, right? Everything that we we see and we perceive around us, right, is just a, a, a complex dance of quantum fluctu- fluctuations, right? And all the materials that we perceive, the color that we colors that we perceive, the light and everything is is nothing more than uh, at the end of the day a bunch of of uh, uh, interestingly choreographed quantum fluctuations. I, I just hope we're not a bug in the system. That's all. <laughs> so I, I think uh, we're running low on time. Anything else we want to hit before? Yeah, we, yeah. I would I like to. I would like to uh, um, address uh, towards the, the the closing of this anniversary show uh, one other very very important part of this podcast, which is our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, uh, we, we, we will start with a huge thank you for, for our followers. Um, they are in numbers that are beyond uh, our wildest uh, 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 dreams and imagination at the beginning of this. It, of it this grew pod- much faster than we thought. Of this, of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. We were, I distinctly remember in the, in the early days, we were like... Uh, how crazy can can the two of us be imagining that we could uh, have a successful podcast on something as complex as, as quantum without video, without images, without slides, without charts, without graphs, uh, just based uh, on 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 voice? And our audience is the one to 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 prove that. Well, this wasn't such a crazy idea. Uh, after all, um, and again, um, I just want to, to 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 say a big, big thank you to everybody who is uh, listening to to us. Uh, as you mentioned, Patrick, the, the the numbers in the audience 
uh, are continuously increasing, which is very, very encouraging for us. It, it shows us that we are probably on, on, on the right track. We are probably uh, uh, doing uh, uh, things the, the, the right way. And it also gives us a lot of uh, uh, confidence and, and energy for, for, for just keeping uh, moving forward, right? Uh, yep. uh, humming along uh with 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 this podcast i obviously um we kind of took an a calculated risk in the beginning right and we yeah. were saying okay even if we end up with a small audience that's fine we 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 do it because we believe in this we do it because we honestly we love to talk about it right <laughs> yeah right but the fact that we do have a a significant audience and an increasing uh, uh, audience uh, is is validation. Yeah, is is so much so much validation, and it's uh, humbling and honoring for uh, for for us to see that our efforts are actually recognized and are paid off. We'll try to live up to those that expectations, but we have no intention of stopping. And I think a Absolutely big part not. of this, <laughs> a big part of this is um, a lot of podcasts in our space and other spaces just don't make it especially since there's no profit in it right now. Um, and we're in it for the love of the topic and, and wanting to spread it and wanting more people to understand its impact. Uh, so as long as we keep that pure motivation, I think we'll be, we'll be okay. 100%. Thanks for doing this with me, Cyprian. I'll talk to you again soon. And I hope everyone tunes in and tells everybody about it because they're going to regret if they don't know something about it when the time comes. Yeah, absolutely. My final and biggest thank you goes to you, Patrick. This year has been an absolute pleasure and 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 honor. I've enjoyed every single second and minute of of, of discussions and uh, both the on the record ones as well as the uh, <laughs> off the record yeah. uh, ones that we we did not record. Uh, it's it's been an amazing journey, and as you very well said it. We have no plan whatsoever on, on stopping. We will uh, keep on doing this because it's fun. And, and uh, I would dare to say we absolutely love it. Thanks. Same to you. And we'll see everybody soon. Bye. Bye.